Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, whenever, wherever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 41, coming at you from the Meaner True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric, the biggie, producer, studio host, kind of all the above. Joining me in person, Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how you doing, buddy? Awesome, guys. How are you guys doing tonight? Pretty good, pretty good. And maybe joining us at some point will be Justin Dahl. We do not know yet. He's a little bit MIA today, but it's okay. Busy guy. He's got job, coaching, kids. I think that's all he does, though. I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. I mean, I guess unless you sleep less. Yeah, true. But I'm assuming with, you know, two under two, that the very little sleep that he gets probably is very cherished. So, is what it is. I guess we can give him a slide, huh? Uh, this time. We'll give him a slide this time. Maybe give him some crap next week if he doesn't join us later in the show. If he joins us later in the show, maybe give him some crap then, too. So, we'll see. We'll play it by ear. So, stay tuned for that. We might give Justin some shit later. <laughs> All right. So, before we get into the episode, we have a couple just partnerships to talk about here. First, our partners over at Monkey Knife Fight. And, Ramsey, are... I don't know how busy you are, Monkey Knife Fight, but the Packers made me some money last night. Did they? They did. So my favorite contest right now to play is the Touchdown Dance is what it's called. And any given NFL game, and college games too, you can do it if you choose to. But NFL games, you pick three players, and it has to be at least one from each team. Because I tried to just load up all Packers for last night's game, and wouldn't let me do that. But you pick three players, one from at least one from each team. So, like, last night, I went Devonta Adams, Aaron Jones, TJ Hawkinson. And you hit on all three, correct? Devonta Adams did not have a touchdown. What a bum. However. I trade him, too. Aaron Jones had four. So he single-handedly, like, I didn't have to get any other production from any of the other guys because you can choose a one-and-a-half touchdown buy-in, two-and-a-half touchdowns, or three-and-a-half touchdowns. And each of them have different prize multipliers. So, for instance... Last night, I did the two-and-a-half touchdowns, and I put my $2 buy-in in, came home with eight bucks. Sounds like you should have done the three-touchdown buy-in. I could have last night with the Aaron Jones all-in. And didn't TJ Hawkinson have one, too? He did. He did. So I would have had five touchdowns. I would have been covered on any level. You should have done the five-touchdown bet. There isn't one, but I would have been covered. So partners over at Monkey Knife Fight... Put money in your pocket. That's, that's buying you dinner. That's buying you dinner. That's, you know, for $5, that takes home 20 That's enough, Why to, would that's you enough not? to go get a couple cocktails before dinner. Right. And if you wager more than once in the weekend, that's cocktails and dinner. If you, yeah. I mean, if you're playing multiple games, that's cocktails, that's dinner, and that's a nice tip afterwards, too. Maybe some dessert, too. You know, depends I mean, on how you're feeling. Whatever. So that's our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. Our other friends over at Raise Energy, Ramsey, I don't know if you know this or not, but Mon- Sunday into Monday, I had to work quite a bit. Two jobs, and taking my mom around town because you know, she's a little incapacitated right now, physically speaking. I pulled 30 straight hours being awake. Let me ask you a question. Uh, what got you through that 30 straight hours? That'd be Raise Energy. What? And Raise Energy, I, went with, uh, I actually went with the Apollo flavor this week. Apollo's always great. This weekend. And tastes like just like a bomb pop. You know, you get that. Has the Statue of Liberty on the side. It really is about as American as an energy drink can get. I mean, unless it's shot like fireworks. 
that'd be really about it. And like I said, powered me through 30 straight hours, no crash, no jitters. And had I chose to need it, they have sleep supplements. They have pre-workout if I want to hit the gym in between there. I didn't yesterday. So, so you're saying enough. that you could just chug rays all day and take the sleep supplement at night and just go right to bed? If you wanted to. If you wanted to. That's the only way to, that's the only way to live. That is a chaotic way to live, but it is a way to live. That's the only way to live. It's the Razor Rebellion, man. That's all it is. So, repsports.com. Look code, code on that. Code ROOT4. Get 15% off any order. Code ROOT4. R-O-O-T, number four. Repsports.com. So, with that, we get into what we had rooted for. Start the episode off, right? That is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores, including... Milwaukee Brewers playoff gear, which they did clinch on Saturday night. They are still... About time. All I've heard about them is clinching for the last three weeks. Yeah, it's been, it's been about that. It's that time of year, Ramsey. Third team in all baseball to clinch the playoff spot. Who are the other two? Be the Dodgers and the Giants. Oh, so the two teams that are better than Milwaukee. I would not say better. I mean, head-to-head, they are not. Brewers have won both season series. Damn. So, I mean, if you really want to put that... We can just put that right to bed. So... Anyway, but yeah, Milwaukee Brewers playoff gear and regular gear too. Packers gear, Badgers gear. Sure, you want to wear Packers gear after the last two weekends? I mean, they won last night. They doubled the other team, I suppose. It's the Lions. Well, we'll have a lot to talk about about that. But as I've been saying the last couple weeks now, Brewers playoff gear, it's here. Check it out. Fanatics.com. Show the love for your team. Bunch of bucks championship here as well. It's all there. It's all there. And if you're not a fan of Wisconsin sports, for some reason you're listening to this podcast, which I really would be kind of confused by. But if you're not a fan of Wisconsin sports, there's, your teams are out there too. They've got golf gear. They've got NASCAR gear. Just a whole bunch of stuff going on. So, Fanatics, show your love for your team. Hashtag love on. Show that love for your team. Ramsey, what did you root for this week, buddy? Uh, Bristol Night Race. Oh, I was a big fan of this. Big fan. Um... Good race, Kyle Larson won. A uh, little bit of controversy with Chase Elliott. and why don't, why don't you explain what happened? and Paint the picture a little bit here, buddy. So, what was it, probably 30 laps to go or Thereabouts, so? Thereabouts, yeah. Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick are racing for the lead. Chase yep. Elliott's a little bit faster. Kevin Harvick's on a little bit of a better line. Chase Elliott gets in a little bit of traffic of lapped cars, as mm-hmm. you do at Bristol. And going into turn number... Three, I believe, Chase Elliott and Kevin Harvick have contact, cuts a tire down for Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott then finishes in 27th, but Chase Elliott kind of gets in front of the pack and slows down Kevin Harvick to allow his teammate Kyle Larson to win. Okay. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it? Nothing, I guess. I wasn't a huge fan of it. Well, I, I, let me let me re-ask the question because I, I I understand what's wrong with it. What's the the harm that p- critics would point out here? Well, this are kind of blurring the lines between what's called team orders in racing, and saying that well, if I can't win, I'm about to make sure my teammate wins, even though Kyle Larson at that point was clearly the third place car. Um, it's a I'm not, I understand what happened with Chase Elliott. I understand why he did it. However, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of that. It seemed a little bit dirty to me. Mm-hmm. And especially when I don't think Kevin Harvick was necessarily out of line. 
And that's one from a Chase Elliott. I love Chase Elliott. Right. Also love Kevin Harvick. Both those guys have been in the sport now for a bunch of years. They're veteran drivers. Both champions. Right. What Kevin Harvick did wasn't necessarily wrong. Well, what what did Kevin Harvick do? Well, Kevin Harvick kind of undercut Chase Elliott, drove in the corner a little deeper, and then Chase Elliott kind of came down off a lap car. So I mean, it really depends on who, what perspective you're looking at it from. Mm-hmm. That either Kevin Harvick washed up the racetrack a little bit, or Chase Elliott dove down a little bit. In my opinion, it looked like that. The Chase Elliott trying to avoid the lap car kind of comes down to Kevin Harvick, cuts a tire, and then blames Kevin Harvick for it. So they, these guys got it all out. Just, I mean, they didn't have any words, did they? They did. They were yelling at each other on pit lane. They went back to Chase Elliott's hauler. I'm really? And got it worked out. So, yeah, it was a g- great Bristol race. I don't know if you caught the Xfinity race. Um, I saw the ending. The I did ending not catch of the whole AJ Almodena wrecking across the line. Yeah. Um, first time I can ever remember the winner having to go to the infield care center before victory lane. It's been a while. I, I cannot pinpoint one race where that's happened, but I would maybe assume maybe like a, like a super speedway race type deal, but that's really about it. And I, I can't pinpoint one either. Uh, so there's also after this weekend, there's been a lot of talk about NASCAR moving Bristol to be the championship race, championship finale. And that seems to be getting a little bit of traction, so that's something to maybe keep an eye out for here coming in the next few weeks, years, months. So, was, and I want to ask this because I wasn't sure. Was this race, was this the first of the round of 12, or was it the last of the round of 16? Last of the round of 16. So who got bounced out of the playoffs this week? Michael McDowell. Uh, uh, a bunch of irrelevant people. No, okay. Eric Amaral, I think, was probably the biggest name that got bounced. Um, let me take a look real quick. I know I should have it up. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't have it off the top of your head, to be honest with you. I kind of go back to what I said, though. If you looked at the playoffs before it started, the four drivers that got bounced were the four, like, oh, those guys are probably going to bounce. Well, they were the guys who got in by race wins only, if you will. Not that they're, I mean, they obviously weren't great drivers, but I'm guessing Tyler Reddick... Or did he may did he maybe slip through? I can't imagine he did. Tyler but. Reddick was eliminated. Kurt Busch, Eric Almarola, and Michael McDowell. Okay. See, we've kind of figured that out without having to look for sure. But the only one that kind of surprised me is Kurt Busch. But at the same time, I'm not surprised at all. He had a rough round. He was out early in at Richmond. Right. And that kind of set him back further than what he could probably make back up. Mm-hmm. I think at one point he was like 30 or 40 points back. Which he'd made ground back on it. It was just... Right. So that's what you rooted for. Um, I'm going to go with a kind of a, a phoned-in answer, if you will. But just... I'm going to take everything that was happening this weekend. Like, this is probably my favorite time of year of sports as a whole. You have p- playoff racing, which was electric to watch. Yeah. You have playoff hunt baseball right now which I'll get to the Milwaukee Brewers here in a little bit. A lot of stuff to talk about in the Brewers report coming up in a few moments. but And then you have college football, which for all intents and purposes, college football, I mean, every week matters so much, especially for like that college football play-in and playoff hunt. Big game of Auburn and Penn State this weekend. Uh, got to watch that quite a bit and, and watch everybody come up for Penn State, had the whiteout theme going. They had fans going nuts. They had Auburn for the first time 
I think ever had the white help face mask to go with the white out. So they had white face masks, white jerseys, white pants. So they embraced the white out, couldn't get the job done. Penn State comes away with the winner in that game, but came down to the wire. And that well, one, you have college football literally all day long. College game day starts the day at 8 a.m. If, you, you know, if you're into that. Um, personally, I usually am, but that was also a day of getting some sleep in. But really just the whole day of just – and really good games all the way across the board. I mean, the Gators and Alabama was close and kind of proved that Alabama's maybe not untouchable, which kind of was the thought coming into this week. I don't know about that. Alabama always tends to drop a game in the SEC. They do. But that's that's kind of what, you know, the difference between this year and last year was where Alabama last year was there's probably not a team that's going to beat them. This year, they're not saying there's a blueprint to do so because they did still come away with the win, but they looked a, a little vulnerable at times. Like I said, it was a good game. Um, I'm trying to think of the other games that I had been watching. Ohio State barely got out of Tulsa. I mean, they ended up winning by 20 points, but they scored 14 points at the very end of the game. Like one was a pick six. Um, they scored a touchdown to kind of put it away, but Tulsa putting up a fight in that one. So just but good they football, a tough fight against Notre Dame the week before they that, did, right? Yeah, imagine they're the Tulsa Rockets, correct? Uh, no, uh, you're thinking Toledo. Toledo Rockets. Tulsa. Are they the Wave? There's something. I think the Green Wave. I have to look. Golden Hurricanes. Also, Golden, what a terrible name. It really is. But I always want to give him some props. Like, hey, you guys went with the big dogs back-to-back weeks. Yeah. And game. almost beat Notre Dame. Should have beat Notre Dame. Had a chance at Ohio State, too. Which, so, really just weekend of sports and then NFL all day Sunday, too. I mean, you really, it's really kind of the best time of year right now. I mean, it gets amplified a little bit in about three weeks. When the NFL season's kind of a little bit further in than week two, those college pl- conferences are going on, so college conference right. games are going on, and the actual baseball playoffs are going on. But really, I mean, this time of year, just it's, it's fantastic. Well, there's always something on. Yeah, and you can't, you know, NBA preseason's going to start soon, too. I mean, they're only a couple weeks away from camp. Really, I mean, always something on. Really, and college basketball is only a couple weeks away from starting up here. And granted, not a whole lot of meaningful games early on, but still, something for everybody, you know. There's just some always decent like preseason tournaments for college basketball yeah. too, which is always interesting, at least. So we go from the positives to the negatives to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. Rams, I'll let you start this one too. I think my Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week this week is NFL refs, or just the NFL in general, with the whole taunting rule. Oh, yeah. Because now we're starting to get into taunting, kind of deciding games, and that's not okay. Like, we shouldn't, like, the taunting, it was an overreaction to the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. Of um, Antoine Winfield Jr. taunting Tyree Hill. Right. And the NFL got all butthurt about it. Because it was on the biggest stage, it was a blowout game. Which he was right to taunt him. Oh, I would have. I was all for that. Yeah, it was the best. Probably the. Probably I remember watching the Super Bowl at your house and being like, "I love that," because for was, so long Tyreek Hill just got away with everything, quite literally. Hey, oh, oh, you mean when he beat his girlfriend? Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. Same guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Has yeah. had a few domestic disputes in his time. 
a couple here and there, and then he always, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but because he had, he had been getting fined for doing the peace sign at people. So on his glove, he actually made the peace sign on his glove so he wouldn't actually get fined for it. So on his gloves that he wears every week, two of the fingers are, like, like the inner two fingers of the peace sign are colored, a different color, so it's, like, black foreground and a yellow peace sign, like the peace yeah. emoji. So... I mean, he, he was kind of the golden boy for doing that and, and just kind of got taken down a peg here. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not a big fan of that either. I just, it's, and it's so, it's so subjective too. It's not even like this is for sure a penalty. It's just. Well, and I guess kind of where I was going to go with that was that the NFL is such an overreaction league. Like one thing that didn't necessarily look good then we have to do a complete 180 to make up for a bad moment. Even the whole pass interference stuff with the Rams in New Orleans a few years back. Right. We have to change the rules because one instance. And I'm not necessarily a huge fan of just changing rules because you had someone had a bad moment. Yeah, and that's I think that's the big problem. And, and let's let's kind of take on the elephant in the room. There's a lot bigger issues the NFL probably should work on. Taunting isn't should not be in the top five of that list. Right. Maybe not the top ten. Yeah. And that's your emphasis that you're going to force on ref. I remember. Do you remember a couple years back? And this was when Clay Matthews got in like three straight weeks of roughing the passer penalties that really none of them were because that was the right. emphasis that offseason was yep. roughing the passer, roughing the passer, roughing the passer. And you had these overreactions. You're still getting terrible calls on that, by the way, to this day. You're still getting terrible penalties on that. But now, even with this taunting thing where it's literally harming nobody, it's not like, you know, at least a roughing the passer is designed to prevent injury. This just hurts feelings, kind so, of. I don't know if how much you guys pay attention to other sports, or I guess not even other sports, the same sport. I was watching the Patriots-Eagles Super Bowl. It was on NFL Network. A few That's weeks 2004 back. season, right? 2004. Okay. The game does not look the same. No, it's night and day. And I, I mean, I saw the old man in the room. I kind of missed the old NFL. There was a little bit more. Now it's a lot more finesse, and mm-hmm. it's a lot more. It's a it's a softer league, is what it is. As a whole, yeah. And I, I was watching that Super Bowl between the Eagles and Patriots, and I'm like, I get why we can't do this anymore. I understand that there's implications to kind of just letting people do what the fuck they want. Right. But I was watching it, too. I'm like, you know what? I, the modern NFL doesn't really appeal to me anymore. Right. And it's just kind of a whole bunch of bureaucratic stuff going on in the league that just is like, okay, can we just go back to playing football? Is that too yeah. much to ask? Yeah, definitely. My Nuggie of the Week, I want so hard to go after Kevin King. Do it, do it. He deserves one. He really does. So That bum. We're going to talk Dude, about... Kevin King is tr- utter trash. We're going to talk about this more in the episode and when we actually talk about the Packer game. So I'm going to keep this short. No, no, no. Let him have it. Someone needs to. Someone does need to. Did you see last night during the game, and, and there wasn't like a formal like change.org petition going around, but if you, and, and Packers Twitter is a very toxic place a lot, a lot of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. 
off season anytime you just find. So a I'm gonna, to I'm gonna make this short because I got two. I'm gonna go with two actually. I'm I'm glad I brought this up. So first of all, when you can have a take and do something or a take that unifies Packers Twitter, that's pretty damn impressive. Yes. You have to either be cutting edge of something opinion wise, or just pointing out something so blatantly obvious that it's almost painful. Kevin King is a bum. And it was such a beautiful moment when all of Packer Twitter last night turned on him. The, the, the peak of this, there was two peaks of this to me. One was, so as most of our fans know, I'm a huge memorabilia collector. I have thousands of dollars worth of stuff. And I'm in a couple Facebook groups to, you know, to buy different things, whatnot. So one of my favorite things first was and was this guy who was selling, he decided he was going to sell a Kevin King signed Duke football, like the actual on-field ball. And he's like, I don't want this trash anymore. I've been defending him for five years. I can't do this anymore. Here's Take it for $40. Scrub it, burn it, whatever. I can't do this anymore. Sold it for $40 yesterday. Were you the buyer? I was not. I, I, I have a Kevin King signed picture from his rookie year when he didn't suck. The one year he was kind of okay. I got it for maybe $10, so I didn't really overspend on it. But there might be a burning. I can't believe you didn't buy the football. It's just so we could raffle it off. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't justify spending $40 on that. Um, also, the funniest, you can ask Sean about this last night. Um, we're watching the game. When he got hurtled by DeAndre Swift... And like the the video of it is so pathetic because like he's like almost like his legs are on the ground he's like hunched over it's it is such a fun I'm watching it right now actually as I'm trying to find part two of this up this take and he he just flails so desperately as DeAndre Swift is jumping over him it is the funniest thing in the world to me so Kevin King you're terrible just absolute just dog shit type player. Isn't that crazy? Every time I turn the Packers on, right, or if I walk out of the room on a defensive set, I walk back into the room, Kevin King is getting torched by somebody else. Every week. Every week that he is on the Green Bay Packers team, you walk out of the room, you walk back into the room, you look at what's going on on the TV, and Kevin King is being burned by somebody. And the funny thing, I mean, not funny, it's just it kind of it's tragic, actually, but last night... Jared Goff, who isn't like a great quarterback by any stretch, he's good, right? But he's not great. He wasn't even looking at the side of the field with Jair Alexander and Darnell Savage. No. He's getting the snap and going straight to his left, and is just staring down. And so many plays, just burning Kevin King, and Eric Stokes. I mean, he had the touchdown was a miscommunication between Stokes and. And King, that first touchdown that the Lions scored in their opening drive. I'm still going to blame Kevin King for that. I probably shouldn't, but I'm still going to. Well, Stokes is a rookie. But Stokes proved last night pretty quickly he's better than Kevin King. So that's that's Noogie 1. Noogie 2 kind of got served justice today on the Pat McAfee show. And that's Jermichael Finley. And as we've been very, you know, I'm a very loud advocate for the Pat McAfee show. It's great. It's so entertaining. And the the guests that he gets aren't happening on any other channel, any other whatever. 
And he's out there. He gets Aaron Rodgers every single week. And Aaron Rodgers put Jermichael Finley in a body bag because Jermichael Finley is one of these hot take, quote-unquote, analysts just because he was teammates with the guy for a year that everyone kind of turns to because he's very loud when Aaron Rodgers doesn't play great like he did last week. And so Jermichael Finley, like I said, Justice kind of got served on that today. But at the same time, it's just it's so annoying where it's every single time that this dude thinks he's relevant, hasn't played in, what, eight years now? About that. Couldn't, I mean, catch, couldn't catch the ball when he was in Green Bay. Right. And, and yes, tragic injury that ended his career. Not, not making light of that. I believe he still lives in the Peter. Does he not? I don't think I, so. He used to live right down the street from me. He did for a while. He stayed around town for a while, but I believe at one point or another he did move back to Texas um, as early as a couple years back. Um, but it just it's just the guy is so loud when things are going bad. And then just also, I mean, even if you look on his Twitter, just first of all, I don't know how he's still relevant because he hasn't played in eight years. He wasn't great. But his Twitter is so pro-Packers as a whole. Like, he's always posting, like, oh, I'm having a watch party. Go, Pack, go. Beat the Lions. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it, I just don't get it. Like, the dude, it's just, it's so baffling to me that he's just the way he is. And I've worked with the guy a couple times, too. Just interesting dude to talk to. Like, when you're talking to him face-to-face. Nice guy, nice enough guy, I should say, anyway. Just a weird dude that keeps getting a mic put in front of him, and uh, kind of becoming very similar to what like I've always said, Leroy Butler kind of is. Just very loud about certain opinions, and everyone turns to him when it comes to certain opinions. But also just kiss ass Packer organization too. So it's really baffling. I don't necessarily think though hot takes about Aaron Rodgers isn't necessarily. I mean. Aaron, everything that happened against New Orleans, Aaron deserved. I wouldn't go that far. Every, but... No, no, no. He deserved everything that he got in New Orleans. You can, regardless of what happened, the offseason wasn't great for him, right? If it, was, if it was even inflated a little bit, there was still issues that were going on. Right? I mean, regardless at the end of the day. So you can't make a big fuss and then come out and lay an egg. And even last night... He looked good, but he still necessarily looked great. I would disagree with that, too. I mean, the guy was throwing some of his best passes he's thrown. I mean, that touchdown to Tunyon last night was no other quarterback playing right now except maybe Patrick Mahomes makes that throw. Tom Brady could. I don't, I don't know. I, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. I don't think so. Those guys could, though. And that's the thing that we're... For whatever reason, I don't have Aaron's numbers in front of me, but the first half, he wasn't great. I mean, he was okay. He was pretty good. They, they only had like three possessions in the first half. Sure. I mean, I, don't, I just don't. I think we give Aaron a pass for stuff just because he's good, but I would also expect you to play that well against the Lions as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when, as soon as you fit, let's see what you do next week against. San Francisco, we have, you've played two bottom of bottom half teams so far, and you really only looked really good for two of those quarters. So Aaron Rodgers' numbers last night, 
was 22 of 27, 255 yards, four touchdowns. Passer rating of 145.6. What was the yak on two of those were Aaron Jones that he was what ran the ball in? What was Eric's Aaron's actual in the yard or in the air yards last night? I don't have that in front of me. Um, I mean, Aaron Jones was the team leading receiver last night with seven. No, that was rushing. Never mind. Uh, Aaron Jones had six catches, forty-eight yards, three touchdowns last night with a long of thirteen. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not. Aaron is good, and I'm not saying that Aaron's not good, and I'm not even necessarily saying that he didn't play well last night. But what you did last night, I would expect you to do against the Lions. Because that, again, that is a bottom 10 team in the league this year. Yeah, definitely. So you should have done that. I don't disagree, but I think he played very well last night. Very Aaron Rodgers-esque last night. I mean, there's, there's throws. The, the throw to Devontae down the sideline that sparked that Tunyon touchdown. Well... 50-yard throw. What was the – there was one, two that I remember that it was, what, Devontae across the middle mm-hmm. where it was like a soft zone and Aaron's kind of running and then threw kind of a cross body back to Devontae in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I'm not discrediting that. I'm just saying that it, I don't think – there was, what, three or four plays that Aaron looked amazing. And a, a few more than that, but regardless. And, and there was a lot that there was some – decent, you know, it was a catch-run big game. So I'd have, I'd have to look at the yards after catch on that, um, which take worth a grain of salt with, you know. With it is a weird number. It, it's such, you know, it's so funny how that actually kind of breaks down is because it's not really indicative of success one way or the other, where if Aaron Rodgers has a guy who has – you know, like Devontae Adams, I think right now in the season has maybe, you know, in, in two games played so far, Devontae Adams has 177 yards with 47 yards after catch. So usually that's not, I mean, he's just catching the ball, kind of falling down, not falling down, but he's catching the ball at a spot, not necessarily right. gaining yards after the pass. So in some instances, that's the case. In other instances where it's like Tim Tebow, where in the playoffs, what was it, 2012 or whatever, where he throws a, an 80-yard touchdown to Marius Thomas to walk off against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was an 80-yard touchdown. However, it was, a, it was like a 73-yard run after the catch from Demarius Thomas where Tim Tebow gets the yards. But Which isn't that kind of a weird stat, too? Like, just in general, the NFL passing numbers – on what they really are versus... Well, how far the ball's thrown versus... The pass itself. Right. And I think it comes out to, like, Aaron Rodgers, to this point, and I'd have to look at... I don't want to look at what his career numbers are. But to this point, it looks like he's got... As a, you know, this season, he averaged 9.4 yards per actual attempt... Which has to be, that's higher in the league, correct? Yeah, like I said, I, I want to look at what his career s- stats are on that, but that's that sounds higher, but at the same time, it's also, you know, that also kind of takes into grounds for incompletions and stuff, too. Yeah, it's just weird. Um, so, just got official word, Justin will not be joining us, so we will get to him hopefully next week uh, when things get a little bit better lined up 
stuff should get a little more regular. You think coming so. into the fall more than what it is currently, probably. Yeah, you know, the guy's a busy guy. Like I said, coaching kids. I'm not gonna judge the guy for that. So that is our Nuggies of the Week, and with that, I guess there's no time like the present to get into our trip around the state of Wisconsin. And with that, we'll start off with our Milwaukee Brewer report. Milwaukee Brewers, as mentioned, clinched the playoff position uh, where they are guaranteed at worst to be a wild card team, which would have to go off a tragic bridge. There's about two weeks left of season left. They're losing right now. They are, but there's two weeks left of the season. They have to win and have the Cardinals lose some combination of three games. So a win tonight goes a long way. Well, a win tonight would drop. So the magic number is three. A win tonight drops that down to two. Or drops that down to one, excuse me. As well as say, because it's Because the Cardinals would lose and the Brewers would win. So you'd get a combination of that. So really, they're in a four-game set right now against the Cardinals. Cardinals took game one on Monday. You got to split the series, and you got the central. I was about to say, so this is almost a must-win game for them. For the Cardinals, it is not necessarily for the Brewers. Right. Yeah. So the Cardinals actually have taken over their stupid September black magic that they always seem to have to kind of get a postseason spot, no matter what. Don't they have a manager that's pretty good? Not really. I they used to. They had Tony Larusa for a long time. Now he's uh, oh, with the I White hate Sox. Tony Larusa. That's a bomb. You do. And Fuck Tony Larusa. Yeah. No, I agree. Fuck that guy. Um, so they used to have him. Now they have, I believe Mike Schilt is his name. So, but just this stupid team staking around forever, forever. So Brewers, like I said, three game or magic number of three for the division, all but a formality at this point. Just got to get her done. Um, a couple other off field stories that were kind of cool in the last week. Uh, first we'll go with Christian Yelich for this series against the Cardinals. Out of pocket, bought ten thousand tickets and gave them away to Brewers fans for free. Weekday games, not usually seat fillers, if you will. So just to get people in the ballpark, you know, watch, get a chance to watch this team for free. How how did you do on that bandwagon? Did you get? Free I did not because it's, it's it's weekday games. That's a it's a hard transition to go to. You know, we had Packer game last night. We have tonight recording this. So tomorrow night, uh, Mexican food. Yeah. So just it's busy. Couldn't get down to one, but. Also, kind of a cool thing Brewers fans really kind of coming out for that where they crashed the ticket sale website three times on Friday when that went live. Oh, really? Just awesome to see that. So as a whole, you know, good job on Brewers fans. Also, in, in the Brewers notes, um, another thing got added to this coming Sunday's game where I'm still debating going. I'm probably not going to just because of how Sunday's going to play out schedule-wise, but if you're heading down to the Brewer game on Sunday, and there are still very few tickets available through the Brewers directly, there's you know secondary markets obviously, but if you're heading down to Milwaukee, it's the final home game series this weekend of the regular season. On top of a talking Bob Uecker bobblehead, they're also going to recognize the career of the now-retired Ryan Braun. Ryan will be in attendance. Um, they'll have some tributes there. It's also 2010's weekend. Because the Brewers' 50th anniversary was actually last year, but due to COVID and not having fans, uh, they pushed it out all the celebrations this year. So throughout the season, they've had different weekends celebrating uh, different eras of the team, so 1970s, 1980s, whatnot, throughout the decades. Um, so 2010s, recognizing Ryan Braun and the career that he had with Milwaukee, which, albeit kind of tainted, I know Justin was, I'm going to guess, kind of trolling in our little group chat that we have. 
about the greatness of Ryan Braun and being a cheater, allegedly, in this whole thing. But you can't take away what the dude did for the, the city of Milwaukee. I mean, the Brewers now officially have eight playoff appearances as a whole. Up to this year, they had, obviously, seven. Ryan Braun was part of four, an integral part of four of them. Um, was really kind of the catalyst of this new movement of what we know as Milwaukee Brewers baseball because from about 19, let's say 1985 through 2010 or 2008, the Brewers were not a good organization. They were bottom of whatever league they were in because they did switch from the American League to the National League. They were losing 100 games a season at times. They were just abysmal. In 2007, they had their first above 500 season since 1992. In 2008, they clinched the playoffs for the first time since 1982 at that point. So all in part due to Ryan Braun, a National League MVP, a former Rookie of the Year, I believe six-time All-Star, so hats off to the career. You that was forgot to mention one major fact about his career. I did not. Me- I did not forget to mention. I said a legend. You forgot to mention one fairly big fact of his career. I said a legend. I, I don't care. All those guys are on roids at some point or another. Well, and that's. I mean, I, a lot of. I mean, it taints the career in the sense that he probably won't get in the Hall of Fame. Thanks, writers. Bunch of bums. But at the same time. The good that guy did for the city of Milwaukee as a whole, and just, again, just revitalizing baseball in, in the state of Wisconsin, really outweighs, I think, and, and just the, the loyalty of staying in Milwaukee his whole career, where he had opportunities. Like, I mean, he had opportunities to leave in free agency. Um, he had a couple times where the Brewers approached him about a trade. At one point, uh, I believe in 2015, they were possibly minutes away from trading him when the trade deadline hit. So just the guy ended up playing his whole career here in Milwaukee. You don't see that, especially in Milwaukee, a whole lot in, in the sport of baseball. So always will be a guy that I admired watching him play for as long as he did. I wish he would have took more steroids so it'd still be playing. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's my Brewer report. That's what's brewing with Eric. Uh, right now, a one nothing game in the bottom of the fifth. If something, you know, if that changes, we'll probably react as it happens in the show because I have a crazy attention span of probably about a six-year-old, and Ramsey, you're not probably too far behind me on that. What are you saying? That we both don't pay attention very well and that we get distracted by shiny things. And beer. Yeah. So spot the lie there. So... <laughs> That's that's what's brewing with Eric. Uh, Justin not here, obviously, as mentioned here a couple times for the Badger report, but a big game for the Badgers this weekend, and that being the neutral site game against Notre Dame in Soldier Field. Soldier Field. That'd be kind of a fun thing to go to, huh? The Shamrock Series is what they're calling it. It's, it was supposed to be a home-and-home. Home. Uh, last year, Big Ten canceled all non-conference games. Whole ordeal was supposed to be in Lambeau Field last year. They're going to come back in 2024. Five, if I'm not mistaken, for that second half of the series, which was supposed to be the first half. But uh, Badgers, really big test this weekend. Uh, see, first of all, you know, if they've kind of recovered from that schlacking they took against Penn State, see where Graham Mertz is in terms of development, see, you know, how good Jack Cohen actually was. 
And also, if Notre Dame's for real this year or not, which I think you can actually kind of point to, maybe they're not. Is Notre Dame ever for real? I think we've talked about this last time I was on the pod. Was it last week or two weeks ago now? Uh, last week, I believe. I, Notre Dame, I do not get Notre Dame. Like, I don't understand the hype around Notre Dame. They've been relatively irrelevant for the better part of 40 years. Yeah, I... For the most part, I mean, they had a couple runs in the 80s and 70s. I mean, they were really good then. Um, a couple big bowl games throughout the 2000s. The one national championship where Manti Teo's imaginary girlfriend was the main story, not the game. And they got boat race against Alabama. Smashed by Alabama. They were college football playoff team last year and got smashed against Clemson. No, Clemson played Ohio State in the first round. Got smashed against Alabama. Um, I believe they've had one of their playoff appearance in there too since the the Manti Teo years and between before last year. But, I mean, they're always just kind of, I mean, being an independent, they kind of get that. They have their own TV deal with NBC. So they're on NBC. They're on national television every week. They get to create their own schedule and not have any conference alignment, which is bullshit in a whole lot of ways. But at the same time, I mean, you're not going to have a whole lot of dud games either because you have to go play bigger teams or big-ish teams for the most part. So... I go back twice. I don't understand. Uh, I I guess I, I guess I get it, but at the same time, I'm definitely because our lifetime they've been relatively irrelevant for the most part. Anytime they're on a big stage, they get blown out by Alabama. I guess so is everyone else, but that's besides the point. Except a couple times where Clemson didn't. But yeah, pretty much. Hey, there was uh, the Bob Euchre talking bubble and Ryan Braun. See, I told you, I told you this would happen. We're sitting here watching the game and. There's Ryan and Bob Uecker and there's Ramsey. Oh, look at that. What did that, I say? That's something else I don't understand either. What? Bobbleheads. I don't get them. I mean, they're pretty cool. I mean, we got a couple in the studio. Kind of a nice little... I get people are into them. I don't understand them personally. I, I, what is there not to understand? The appeal? Yeah. I mean, get like a little statue of a dude sits there and bobbles along with you. Nice decor for your desk for like work or something like that, like an office setting or a studio setting. Say it. Anyways. <laughs> Not a conversation I expected to have tonight. Bobbleheads. I don't get them. I just don't. So if someone wants to explain to me the bobblehead thing, I, I really can't explain. Like I have, like I said, there's a number of them here in studio. I, I can't explain why I like them. I mean, just because. I've kind of been ingrained to like them as a whole. It's that baseball thing, though. It kind of, yeah. I mean, you go other to the sports ballpark, do you that. Get a, you get a bobblehead. Other sports do them, but not as good as baseball does. And Mitch and Julie have one of those like three foot tall Brett Favre bobbleheads. Oh yeah, I've seen that before. I'm always like, I don't get it. I don't get that. That's that's a little overkill to me. Because like I said, they're perfect for like. I mean, I have. If you saw my desk at work, Ramsey, it's just all bobbleheads and pop figures and stuff. Those Which, are the Funko Pops, right? Yes. Like, I get those. So you get those, but you don't get bobbleheads. No. I, I mean, it's really the same kind of thing. I, I, I know it doesn't sound right, but it is what it is. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, big Badger game this weekend, and Ramsey's radar time. Uh, Ramsey, any bold takes for this week? I'm trying to think. 
Not really. I would say um, kind of the thing going on in the league right now, I don't think Tua Tungavailoa is a legit starting quarterback in the league. That's actually a really interesting conversation because that was something that no one wanted to talk about last offseason. I would have. And, like, you you look at Miami, they, for really no reason last year, his rookie year, kind of forced out Fitzmagic. And they were winning games. And then you kind of have that interesting dynamic of, okay, GM wants him to play. Coach is like, dude, no. And then he ends up playing. Well, and so- then, And then when he does play... You take him out in pivotal parts of the game, use Ryan Fitzpatrick as like a closer in baseball, and the guy goes out and wins you a game. The thing with Tua is, and even quarterbacks in general, for the most part, 50% hit, 50% are bust. That's about right. 30 to 50% bust, right? So every class, there's usually one or two that are hits. And there's usually one or two that's not. And then, like, one or two that are serviceable. Right. And I think Tua falls more towards a serviceable category, more so than the superstar. We've already seen Joe Burrow is a legit NFL starting quarterback. Yep, Justin Herbert is top 10 in the league, probably. I wouldn't go that high, but he's up. He's he's I, a top half starter. I think he is. You watch Justin Herbert, what he not does. Not right now. Have you watched you, him play this year? Did you watch that Dallas game? I did not. I was sleeping. So Justin Herbert has one of the worst offensive lines I've ever seen. And he still completes passes. He, he reminds me of Aaron Rodgers, actually. He can do stuff that you're like, how would he do that? Like, not necessarily planted feet, kind of thrown across cross body. Like I said, I, I think Justin Herbert will... Be up there, and I really have changed my opinion on him a lot. I did when I watched him play at Oregon. I did not think he was that Badger game. Yeah, I, I, I watched I didn't him. Think he my, was top ten. I didn't think the, he was first round quarterback. This is at the that guy point. we're talking about as a first round top ten quarterback. I was right. baffled by that. I was too, and and I was high on Tua. I'll admit I was completely wrong on Tua. I thought Tua was going to be the next big thing in the league. I thought he was going to come in just like he did Alabama, and well, the the tail on Tua. I think, is ultimately going to be his health. And that's not a hot take by any means. But if the dude can't stay in the field, obviously he's not going to be a top-ten quarterback. I don't, I don't think his health is regardless of the fact. The, Probably not. If but, you look at the division he's currently in, right? right. at best, he's the third-best quarterback in the division. Well, depending on how you feel about Mac Jones, sure. I, I'm not a Matt Jones fan. We had this. You go back and listen to the episodes. I think Matt Jones is a very low ceiling, but I also think Matt Jones fell to the perfect place to use him. Oh, without a doubt. Matt Jones, depending on if Bill Belichick still has his Bill Belichickness going, can turn Matt Jones into possibly a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And we can have conversations about him down the road about the greatness of Matt Jones and how good he is. He's about the same, I mean, kind of the same situation Tom Brady fell into. It's a little bit different in my opinion. I don't think Matt it's Jones a, has the ceiling that Brady did. I think Matt Jones is very similar to Alex Smith, even Jimmy Garoppolo. Sure. But they're good enough to win a Super Bowl. And so, but, so back to the Tua conversation, you have Matt Jones in New England, who's better than Tua. 
to as of today with the situation that he's in. Yeah. Rules reverse, maybe not, but as it sits. Yeah, I'll give you that. Mac Jones is in a better situation. And Josh, Josh Allen's, Allen's an MVP type player if he keeps going. And I've not watched a lot of Zach Wilson. I've watched a lot of his college tape. I've watched some of his NFL highlights. I think Zach Wilson's a better talent than Tua is. I think Zach Wilson. I Wilson's haven't seen enough Zach Wilson tape, to be honest with he's you. He's in a dumpster fire of an organization right now. That's the thing with Miami, too. I think Miami's a top 10 team in the league, potentially. They just don't have the right quarterback and they're playing a tough division where you need a good quarterback. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's. That's kind of the confusing thing of, especially last year, because they, they didn't they just they just missed out on the playoffs last year, correct? Or did they yeah. sneak in? They were the team that got left out. Yeah, they were the on tiebreakers. Right. Yeah. So you look at last year, where like I said, at the middle of the season, they decided to switch to from Fitzpatrick to to a, to appease people in the front office more or less, and then still use that fifty fifty kind of combination of. Of oh maybe Tua will start the game and he'll play in the third quarter and into the fourth, but when it comes down to crunch time and the second and fourth quarters and the clock's winding down, there's two minute warnings. That's going to be Fitzpatrick. And now they kind of got rid of that crutch too. So the Nate Peterman, I think, is the backup quarterback there, and then Tua goes down with injury again this weekend. The thing that I don't understand about it is they were drafting what sixth. In that category, I think it was like it was somewhere between fourth and sixth. So I I can't remember off the top of my head exactly. I think you're right. Regardless, though, they would have been in conversation to have Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Mac Jones for that matter. Who? Miami. That different drafts. No, no, no. I'm talking about this past year. Oh yeah, right. They, they were drafted, I believe, at six. They were drafting third because they had Houston's pick. So you had the opportunity to draft whoever, one of... No, maybe it was six, but either way. Regardless, they were in the top. They could have had Mac Jones or Justin Fields. And they decided to stick with Tua, who I don't think is the answer down there. Yeah, it, it, that's, a, like I said, just looking at how that's going to shake out in that division. I mean, you have, for all intents and purposes, two quarterbacks who... Could go win right now between yep. Mac Jones and Josh Allen. You have a dumpster fire of an organization who I don't think it matters who was going to go play there. The Jets are going to jet. They're going to suck. Yeah. I don't think there was a – I don't think Trevor Lawrence would have saved them. I'm really happy actually that the Jets decided to somehow blow their tank season and fall to second. And and not get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, not that he's in a great spot right now, anyway. But that's a whole another conversation, right? So between that, and then you look at just like I said, just the uh, the element of Miami, where they're good enough to probably be in the playoffs with the team around them, but they need a good quarterback, and not nothing against Fitzpatrick, but he's not a franchise quarterback. He's a journeyman who's going to be. There for a year or two. He's good enough to win you a couple games here throughout the season. Get one game that they probably shouldn't win. Hype the franchise up, fan base up. Sell some jerseys because he's played on just about every team in the NFL. Yeah, I mean. He's, he's, he's the new Vinny Testaverde. We were talking about that before the show. Of how many different, how long Vinny Testaverde played. For, played for 20 years, played in seven teams. 
Yeah. But it seems like he played for so many more. Played for every, yeah. Like, probably because probably whenever he did a, like a fantasy draft in Madden, he was always the backup quarterback that got drafted. Well, and you could, you could tell me, honestly, on any given like, day, oh, do you remember when Vinny Testaverde played for Insert Franchise? And if I don't look it up, I'd be like, yeah, sure, he was there in 2001. Right, yeah. Whatever. Like, I mean, obviously, like, I mean, once you do, like, a little bit of research, it's like, yeah, he only played for seven teams. He played for the Jets twice, but eight different stints with different teams. With seven different teams. A stud. And not a bad career. I mean, not a great career, but not a bad career by any means. Made a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Because he played, he was, like, 41. He's the original Tom Brady. Yeah. He's a guy, like I said, he played for 100 different teams, it seems like. He played for 100 years. And just, yeah, do you remember when Vinny Testaverde played for the Buccaneers? Yeah, sure, when they had the creamsicle jerseys. How about when he played for the Jets? Which time? He was a backup for the Patriots for a little while. Just If you said, hey, remember when Vinny Testaverde played for, like, the Falcons? Sure. He did, didn't. Do you remember Vinny Testaverde and Brett Favre in, like, 2007? And it was two 40-year-old quarterbacks going at each other? Yeah, that was awful. But yeah, I do remember. He played for, it was for the Panthers he was playing at that time. Yeah, it was just a long, long career. So hats off to Vinny Testaverde. I didn't think he'd probably mention his show, his name in the show ever. Only podcast in the world right now talking about Vinny. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet. he has his own, it probably does. I'd be willing to bet that he, we'd probably be the only one talking about him, talking about his career. So that's that. And then we kind of look at the, the game Monday night. Uh, Packers victorious 35-17. Good enough bounce back from week one. I, you know, still a lot of questions defensively. Uh, one thing I know I wanted to talk about this episode was positives, negatives, kind of looking at that. And positives, I mean, offense looked a lot better last night, clearly, I mean, as they should against Detroit. Like, nothing really surprising in that front, but. I was happy to see that they were a little more committed to running the ball. A lot more committed to running the ball. Yeah, like, 100% more committed to running the ball. Like, they. They made it a point of emphasis. And, that, you know, even that's one of those things that you're kind of questioning after the New Orleans loss is you're looking at, like, Aaron Jones was just not around. Like, where was he? Like, and they well, came out and they... So I didn't, I didn't really realize this, but you know how if you watch, like, the, the big, Matt LaFleur's losses, he's only lost seven times in the regular season as a coach. All of those losses have been big losses. And if you look at those games, I mean, in almost all of them, they got they got behind quick and then just snowballed so fast every single time. So, and when you think about it, I mean, you kind of get in a point, and I don't know if it's LaFleur as a coach or if it's Rodgers just insisting, kind of playing the old school way of, oh, now we're down by two touchdowns, we got to throw the ball. Or some kind of combination in between where they just kind of throw the game plan away and don't stick with it. Where if you look at like last week against the Saints, they had so many different opportunities where they probably could have still ran the ball and set up pass plays instead of going zero back sets and being, hey, we're throwing the ball. Just let the front four pin their ears back and you have eight or seven guys in coverage. Which is a recipe to lose. Well, I've said it before. I'm not a huge fan of Matt LaFleur in general. I think that he has been put into a situation where he has a Hall of Fame quarterback 
in a playoff roster, and every time that he goes up against, because I, I even bet you those seven losses he has mm-hmm. are probably all against better coaches, correct? Um, he's got Bruce well, Arians. Sean Payton. Sean Payton. Um, Shanahan in San Francisco. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. Maybe the only one not was what? Chargers. Anthony Lynn. Yeah. But all the other three of those guys. And the Vikings last year. You could probably make an argument that Mike Zimmer's as good of a coach as Matt LaFleur is on a given day. Yeah. But Matt LaFleur, and again, I don't necessarily know how much to put on Aaron Rodgers and how much to put on Matt LaFleur. But that's what it seems like is when he goes into a game where he is the lesser coach, just like what happened with Sean Payton. Sean Payton kind of exposed everyone a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, I like so you watch at what happened. Like I said, they just abandoned their game plan so quick where it just becomes so pass-heavy, pass-dominant. And that's exactly what happened against the Saints. And... Last night, that's exactly, you know, I mean, they got down 7 nothing first drive. Lions came out, punched him right in the mouth because Kevin King's a freaking bum. Were you nervous a little bit? Not like, really. Just, there was there a, like, a thought of, oh, this could get out of hand if stuff doesn't start going a little better? So here, I'll give you kind of my, how I kind of thought, my thought process throughout that game. The first drive was like, oh, shit, the defense still sucks. I thought maybe last week they just get punched in the mouth. They didn't take Jameis seriously enough. You know, they, there's a whole lot, you know, that could have happened. You know, change in venue, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. So the first drive, Detroit just marches down the field. It's like, shit, that's not good. Packers go down and score at 7-7. It's like, okay, we're, we're okay. And then second drive, Detroit has all the penalties. They had been driving down the field. And they have, I think at one point it was like second and 25. Right. And it's like, okay, you know, the pass rush is kind of getting close. I mean, more than we saw the previous week. I mean, they got close to Jared Goff a little bit. So, okay, things might be okay. And then the offense goes three and out because they don't want to run the ball that drive. So then they're like, well, that's annoying. Then Detroit goes and scores another touchdown. And then... Okay, need something more than that. Green Bay goes scores another touchdown. It's 14-14. And Green Bay has a chance to go score again. And then Detroit gets the ball and just marches down the field, gets the field goal before half. So you're like, okay, you know, we're not going to double up at half, and that's why you always defer the coin toss. So a lot of question marks defensively at that point. You're sitting there, well, is this... You know, it's it was it was Kevin King getting burned time and time again. There's no pass rush. Um, the run game at the time was doing whatever they wanted for Detroit. Packers come out second half, score that touchdown, first lead of the season, second half of the second game. If you had told me that was going to happen beginning of the season, I probably would have not believed you one second. So it's twenty-one seventeen. Then Jared Goff goes and fumbles, first snap of that second drive, or that first drive for them. Packers got a chance to go score again. I believe they did. So then it was like 28-17. Yep. And sitting there, it's like, oh, things might be okay. And then Detroit has a little bit of a drive. And then 
gets stopped short and gets on the other side of the field. A couple, I believe it was a sack. Um, that kept them out of field goal range, so they got a punt, and you're sitting there, and things were okay. The defense actually ends up putting up a shutout in the second half, which I didn't really even really realize until probably about the three or four minute mark in the second half when the focus of the game becomes, are the Packers going to cover the 11.5 point spread? Which, if you're kind of following that along, you're sitting there like, you went from sweating in the first half that they might not win this game to oh, they actually might cover this point spread. So that was a really interesting kind of take, and then sitting there, and then they're driving again, and then Jared Goff throws an interception to DeAndre Campbell. So I think the defense still has a lot of questions. Offense, I feel a lot better about. I don't necessarily. And not to be, oh, the sky is falling, oh, this is bad. I do feel more confident in the offense. But again, it's one of those things like how much stock do I want to put into the Lions? Right. Because at the end of the day, no matter what anyone says, they're the Lions. Yeah, and the thing with last night's game, I mean, if you look at the Lions as a whole, offensively speaking, they have a good front line on their side. Yep. They have a good tight end. They have a great tight end, TJ Hawkinson. They have two serviceable enough backs behind that line in Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. Um, I loved everything that happened with Jamal Williams yesterday. I don't know if, did you catch any of his press conferences throughout the week? And just that guy, I miss that guy. Just his press conferences alone. He was so funny. Um, So just in that sense, missed the guy. But then you look at, they have Quintez Cephas, who is kind of their de facto number one receiver right now, guy out of Wisconsin. Who looked, Good, well, good enough. He was on Kevin King, or Kevin King was his matchup most of the night, it seemed. But at the same time, I will say this, and like I said, a lot of questions about the defense. Um, positives, I mean, they made some adjustments. Yeah. They, they started putting Jair Alexander on the inside and then even taking Kevin King out of a lot of sets, running with Eric Stokes on the outside, who only ended up allowing one catch when he was targeted. Um, which I think technically was that first Quintez Cephas touchdown. But every other time after that, anytime they looked at Quint, um, at the receiver that Stokes was on, wasn't a catch. I think Jair Alexander only allowed one completion last night. So that was good on that front too. So really all in all, I mean, they made adjustments. They got to the quarterback a little bit in the second half last night, which I don't know if that's just being more aggressive on the scheme because that's what it looked like to me. That was my takeaway. Well, I think the... I think more than remake getting there is more that Jared Goff tends to get one-dimensional in if he doesn't have a solid run game behind him. Right. He gets a little bit of those happy feet when he starts a little bit of pressure, and he tends to make mistakes. Now, that's kind of why he got axed out of Los Angeles was that he was good, but he wasn't Matt Stafford. Right and right and that's that's part of it too. I mean, and he throws the interception. And he has the fumble. They get down really quick, and kind of get in a point where they have to start throwing the ball, putting the game on Jared Goff's shoulder, literally. And that kind of got exactly what Green Bay had happened to them last week. They got to do to Jared Goff, right. just get after the quarterback, drop guys in coverage, and make him make mistakes. And he did. He threw the interception to Campbell, and it was kind of game after that. 
you know, and not to really change the subject, but looking at it, I'm more interested to see what Green Bay does the next two weeks versus what they did the last two weeks, if that makes sense. Like, they lost one to New Orleans, who sometimes, when you're going as a Hall of Fame coach, he gets one on you, right? Right. And the New Orleans game, at the end of the day, I, you, I can be like, okay, whatever. But I was kind of talking to my father-in-law about the next, like, three weeks. They play, what, three playoff teams in the next... They'll have the 49ers on Sunday Night Football. Who's a playoff team? They'll have the Steelers at home. Who's probably going to be a playoff team. And then I... Off the top of my head, I don't remember who exactly the week after that is, but... I believe the Cardinals are coming up around that time. Cardinals too. will be, I believe, it was week eight. It's a, it's a Thursday night game, week seven, week eight. But still, that's what I'm saying. Like the next really two weeks for me is, especially that Sunday night game against the Forty ers That team is gonna. That team's good. Yeah, that'll be a big test. I mean, I think that'll be their biggest slash most important test. To this point, and it's young in the season. I mean, San Francisco hasn't shown, in my opinion, a whole lot. I mean, they are, what, 2-0 and all right now? They played the Eagles this week. They played the Lions, Lions in week one. one and almost let them back in the game. So, as a whole, on that front, I guess I'm not... I don't know if they're necessarily the Lions or the San Francisco 49ers of two years ago. I agree with that. Uh, so they'll have 49ers, Steelers, Bengals in the next three weeks. The Bengals should be a win. Green Bay is more talented than Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not a slouch, though, anymore like they used to be. No, I mean, they, they beat the Vikings, which we'll see about what the Vikings actually are. Uh, the Vikings technically own two right now. They also got beat by the Bears in a close game. So we'll see. I mean... The NFC North it still runs through Green Bay. I have no hesitation saying that. But the interesting conversation is going to be, how good is Minnesota actually? How good is Chicago actually? Are these teams where Chicago was a playoff team last year? Is that closer to the truth where maybe they just were you know slouching a little bit because they didn't really have certainty at the quarterback position? And having, you know, now it'll be Andy Dalton until – or. Uh, Justin Fields, so Andy Dalton's ready to go again. What happens there? You know how how much how stable are they at the quarterback position? Because I believe they're already um, their front office is already saying that, and coaching staff uh, Matt Nagy already saying that when Andy Dalton's head healthy, he's coming back to be the starter. So what's going on there? How good is Minnesota actually? I mean, they realistically had a chance. I mean, they went to overtime against the Bengals. They missed a kick to win the game. Quite hilariously, by the way. Did you catch the radio call of that? I did not catch the radio call, but I did see it. And I was... I almost get more enjoyment out when the Vikings lose than the Packers win. So the radio call, it, it, to me, it's... it's So Paul Allen, who... is Was kind of on my shit list this spring because he kind of... Went with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing and was one of the kind of the early proponents of it. When the guy, in my opinion, had no source on what he was saying, just kind of throwing stuff out there. But Paul Allen, who is notorious for just 
heartbreaking moments and heartbreaking calls, because that's just what the Vikings franchise history has been. Had just another great one the other night. And I'm going to attempt to play this here for you, Rams, because I want you to hear it live. So we'll have audio from the Vikings radio network right now. High snap, put down. Joseph, come on! It is good! No, he's no good. Are you kidding me? He missed it right. He missed it right. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. Oh, my. This. He missed it right. What a gut punch to a team. Paul, that play after play, toward the end, fought its way back. Oh, missed it by like a foot. And just, oh my God. God. A little premature there, Minnesota fans, huh? Yeah. That, what a bunch of losers. That gives me so much joy. I mean, between that one and then, do you remember when Brett Favre threw the interception against the Saints? It was basically that same call. It was, I think it was kind of better than that. He's like, because I remember he said, and, and it's intercepted, and that's going to be a touchdown for the Saints. And this this isn't to go to Detroit. This is to go to the Super Bowl. That's a quote. So that audio, again, courtesy of the Vikings Radio Network, um, just so much joy. Like I said, I get more joy. I I went to a Viking game, the Packer Viking game a few years ago, and that's when they first started doing that skull chant. I have absolutely despised the Vikings ever since then. See, I've I've always kind of been on the side of the the Vikings are the bigger rival of our generation of Packer fans. Yeah, I mean, the Bears for the most part have been kind of. I mean, the Packers have taken over that lead and that rivalry, and it's the NFL's oldest rivalry and whatnot. When we were born, that rivalry wasn't close. Right. That was so skewed towards Chicago. Yep. And that Packers have a, I think a, I think like a five six game lead in that now. Yeah, they took it over a few years ago now. And it just, I mean, they haven't looked back. It's just, it's become, it's been so one side in our life where you get the, just the natural Chicago versus Wisconsin, Fibs, whatever, rivalry of it. But the games aren't usually that close. I looked it up not too long ago, and I could be mistaken here, but I believe Chicago's beat Green Bay like three or four times in the last 15 years. I'd have to look exactly what it is. But I can only think of a handful of games. I can think of the Thursday night uh, Thanksgiving game where they were supposed to honor Brett Favre and poop the bed a little bit. Oh, it was a downpour snow rain? Yeah, that game? Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, right now the Packers have a six-game advantage. It's 101 to 95 to, to six ties. Um, here recently, let's take a look, the 20... Packers have won the last several games. Uh, I believe the last loss before this one would have been 2018. Before, um, before, no, that would have been the last one. Since then, it's been Lafleur. Lafleur six and all. Yep. So 2018 and before 2018, it's probably what 2000. 12 or something. I think they lost one of the dropped one there. Something like that. Uh, well, the one in 2018 and then the one on the the Thanksgiving game would have been um, the other loss, and that was 2015. So 2018, 2015, and besides that, I mean, it's been... 2006? Like, there was a long stretch in between there. 
of just the Packers just and those games really haven't been all that close either. That's the other thing. They're not. Uh, probably, I think 2013 was when when Aaron Rodgers ended up breaking his collarbone in that so, night game. But still, I mean, so we're talking, what, three or four wins in the last decade? Yeah. Yeah, it's been quite, I, the Packers, in the 2010s, the Packers were 17-4. and four. It was 17-4 to four in the 2010s. The Packers are 2-0 and oh here in the 2020s. So... That, that tells you all you need to know. The Packers have not lost in a decade since the 1980s. And the Bears, so if you look at it just decade by decade, the 2020s, Packers are 2-0. 2010s, 17-4. 2000s, it was 12-8. And the Bears went to a Super Bowl in that, right. that window, too. Uh, the 1990s was 13-7. The 1980s was 11-7. The 1970s was 11-9. So even in the Bears' heyday years... It was still always pretty close, and then decidedly kind of towards Green Bay. Um, the nineteen sixties was fifteen to five. So I mean, really, in our lifetime here, it's been do some quick math here twenty five or twenty six. Yeah, a pretty decidedly Packers, and really not close in our lifetime. That's insane. Well, that's what, I mean, that's part of where the league's gone to. The league has obviously gone towards more quarterback-centric, and the Bears obviously haven't had their quarterback. Right. So that's part of it. Um, it's uh, just, off the top of your head, just a quick trivia question. Off the top of your head, Bears made the Super Bowl in, what, 2005? Played against the Colts. 2006. Who was the starting quarterback for the Bears that year? Rex Grossman. Let's go, buddy. Proud of you. Kyle Orton, I believe, was the year after that. Kyle Orton, they were kind of interchangeable at that point. And, yeah, that was the Kyle Orton, Rex Grossman years of just... Sexy uh, Rex, just throwing fucking piss missiles into fucking defenses. I'm amazed, you know, so I'm actually... I'm just kind of looking between the, the Packers-Bears rivalry and just kind of looking through Wikipedia. It's amazing how many players actually played for both teams, too. Like, I mean, just even here recently, in the last... 10 years, you've had Jimmy Graham, Julius Peppers, Jimmy Graham, Julius Peppers, Cedric Benson, Martellus Bennett, Josh Sitton, HaHa Clinton-Dix, and Adrian Amos. It's wild to me. And those those are all pretty decent players at the time that they were on one of the two teams. Yeah. So other Packer news today, I'm not sure if you had seen this or not, but uh, Packers officially released Jay Sternberger. After his two-game suspension. That's weird to me. I'm not overly surprised. I mean, if you look at it, they've been getting really good production out of Dominique Daphne. Right. Mercedes Lewis is going to be the tight end who just blocks and gets maybe two touchdowns a year. And Bob Tanyan. And Josiah DeGuara, technically, too. Oh, I've heard Josiah. Who was out this week with a concussion in game two, but it seems to be like that kind of backfield H-back receiving tight end, because that's what he played at Cincinnati, but... Um, Deguara, Daphne, and then obviously Big Bob, who just continues to catch nothing but touchdowns. I love Bob. He's my, he might be my favorite Packer right now. Him or, him or David Bacciari. I love Big Bob. He, he is just entertaining. He's, and I say this as a compliment, but he is the light version of George Kittle, down to even like the mannerisms of celebrations. Uh, so that was, you know, a big touchdown for him last night that, like I just said, it just, one of the best placed Aaron Rodgers footballs. An excellent play 
by Bob. A seam route up the middle. Yep. Couldn't route, run the route any better. Played it perfectly in the coverage that was given. They were playing cover two over the top. And just placed it. Because actually, so Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee today. On the play at the line of scrimmage, Devontae Adams was actually the initial read. Devontae Adams was the, the one receiver in that play. The coverage they brought out, they were kind of going too high on Devontae and doubling him up for sorts. So Aaron knew right away. Knew right away, coming to the line, looks at the coverage, Devontae's doubled. This is going to Tunyon for a touchdown. And then Aaron said on the show today, he was talking about how once he saw the linebacker turned towards him, he saw the numbers of the linebackers, like this is a touchdown. He just knows that that's where he's going to place it. And as long as the ball... I mean, throwing a football, you can kind of have an idea where it's going to go, but you have to place it. Right. You know, be able to place it with such high precision at that level. It's like, if this goes where I want it to go, this is going to be a touchdown. And when exactly, I mean, you couldn't draw it up any better. So, Big Bob catching touchdowns, breaking. He actually, not, you know, not that anybody cares about fantasy football except their own teams. I lost in that play in one league. Tunyon had been quiet to that point, and I had like a five-point lead or a four-point lead. That play single-handedly beat me, and I couldn't even be mad about it. No, because it's one of those things like, oh, you're up against somebody that has your guy. You know what I mean? Like, That's like the one like the one downside of fantasy football is when you're playing against the guy on your team, and you're sitting there. And you're rooting for him, like, because you want the Packers to win, right? But you don't want. And you're like, time. can anybody except Tunyon catch this? Oh, big Bob! It, but yeah, no big, big moment for him again. Last How long night. was he signed for? So the thing with Tunyon is he's actually he's on a year-to-year tender. He's a, still an un, like because he was an unsigned free agent. They just have a tender on him, just basically saying, "Hey, we're extending you the free agency tender because you are an unsigned free agency, and you, you know the experience time in the NFL." how the CBA all breaks down and whatnot. They have him for pennies, and it's just kind of like a year-to-year, basically, renewal. They need to get him signed. a big deal. And, like, the thing with Tunyon, I mean, if you really look at his production, it's almost so unsustainable. It's not sustainable at all on paper. Like, mathematically, statistically speaking, and this is why you play the game, ultimately – but if you look at what he does and what he, you know, I mean, he caught 10 touchdowns last year, 11 touchdowns last year, I think on maybe 30 catches as right. a whole. And just from a fantasy perspective, it's in theory somebody you'd want to stay away from in that second year. But if you look at the offense he plays, he plays in the perfect offense. It's a Shanahan offense. Plays with Aaron Rodgers. Who is the king of reading defenses right now or just as good as it gets. And even if they would have went with Jordan Love, I mean, Jordan Love's going to have tight end tech checkdowns and have a, a security blanket. Yep. And he plays in that role. I mean, how many – just top of your head right now, Ramsey, think – and he had so many catches like this even last night where he, you know, kind of blocks for a second, releases the block, sits there for a second, just runs out into the flat. Yep. And it's play action, and it's just perfect to Tanya. It just, you know – and it's almost seven, eight yards a, get, a catch. Guaranteed. Well, and he's, he always seems to have that knack to get open. Yeah. Like, he's always finding spots to get open. And you know he's going to catch the ball when it gets targeted to him. Too. Right. So, aside from that, I mean, we kind of look forward. I mean, we looked at through the different time frames here. I mean, last night, carried out business. 
beat the Lions on Monday Night Football. They did what they were supposed to do. But coming up, like I said, I think big test this weekend against San Francisco. Um, true, I'm kind of predicting a Packer win. At this point, I mean, I like I said, I still have a lot of questions about the defense. And having a lot of questions going into a Sunday Night Football game against San Francisco, probably not where you want to be. But at the same time, it's it's doable. I mean, I can I can talk myself into how they could do it. If they went out and got beat again, I wouldn't be surprised either, just defensively. Because the way that they're playing right now, and I, I had said this to Sean last night watching the game, I was sitting here like, it almost feels like, and I think I even tweeted it too, it almost feels like the Packers have to score every possession to win, kind of like they did in like 2015. Right. Where they went 15-1, but it wasn't a good 15-1 per se. And it just feels like they're going to have to, like I said, score every single time they get the ball to have a shot in the game. 2015, 2016, 2014, 2013, those years. And that's obviously not what you want as an organization. You need to get stops. And, you know, for so long, how long have you heard Ben don't break defense? Just makes you sick at this point. Who was that clown before my patent? Capers. Don, get the fucking moron, too. And is it a matter of talent? Probably. I mean, like I said, I think, I don't really know if it would matter who the coordinator this year was. No. Well, it does matter. It does to an extent. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if these last two games were going to matter on who the coordinator was. Because it was the same. I mean, the way that they lost last week against the Saints was the same way that they lost both times to the Buccaneers. Same way that they lost to... Who else did they lose to last year? Um... They lost the Vikings, the Buccaneers. Who am I missing? I can't picture it right now. I'm blanking. I can't either. But it was the same kind of thing. It's They've lost big. They've lost when they get down and they target a certain side of the field. <coughs> Kevin King sucks. Um, and then the run game tears them up the middle too because they're so... They put then they put focus on let's stop the pass completely, right? And they just it, it, they sell out one way or the other. I mean, they I think the Vikings game is the closest they they've really lost last year. The thing about the Packers that makes me a little bit nervous is that they play a brutal schedule. There's a stretch there between like right around Thanksgiving to right around the first of the year that they play like four playoff teams. Well, the thing, and then records are so, or can be so deceiving. I mean, we look at last year and Lafleur's first year in 2019, where they were 13 and three both years, but last year they could have gone 12 and four, 11 and five, and were a better team last year than they were the year before. Yeah. In theory, this year they could still be better and go 12 and five or 11 and six, good enough to win the division. And still, like I said, just be a better cohesive team down the road and just not have the same record. There, I'm, but there's question marks. I mean, just as Packer fans, if you haven't really pay attention to what the schedule looks like, it, it's a brutal, there's, potentially there's like brutal a schedule. Six week straight playoff teams. Be- but at the same time, just to kind of counterside that, 
is if the team can kind of figure out their identity and and you know look at what they want to you know what they're going to be able capable of doing and and at the end of the day talent wins out I mean that's just the reality of the situation talent always ends up winning out well that's what happened last night if you if we ever pay attention to the game the Lions just didn't have the horses to stay in that race like right. they were just they were competitive and they played about as good as they could have right they just didn't have the talent that Green Bay did so talent wins out and Ultimately, I mean, you look at that stretch, it, it could be very brutal. All right, so here's the stretch, right? You're going to get Washington, Arizona, Kansas City, Seattle, Minnesota, the Rams, the Bears, the Ravens, the Browns. Yeah. And as of, in my opinion right now, through that stretch, you play five, six teams that are probably in the top ten in the league. Yeah. So there's a decent chance that you go 50-50 through that stretch. Yeah, right. And that's that's the other side of this, though, too, though, is if they do play really well down that stretch, it speaks, like I said, talent wins out, winning covers blemishes. And I think, I mean, by by no means do I expect them to get blown out in those games. I mean, they have the horses, the dogs to do it offensively at the very least. They might have the weapons defensively. We'll see. I mean, there's so many question marks defensively of, and I said this last week of, who on this defense is actually good and who's been a mirage? I can confidently say Kenny Clark's good. Overpaid. Probably. I can confidently say that Jair Alexander is really good. One of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Top three, I would say. I can confidently say that Adrian Amos is pretty good. I can confidently say that when he's healthy and when he's playing, Zadarius Smith is pretty good. And then there's a lot of questions after that. Devon, Devondre, or DeAndre Campbell played really well last night, but he kind of laid a dud in the first week. He had 13 tackles and interception last night. Um, the biggest, actually, the biggest highlight that I saw last night, Rashawn Gary kind of turning, cranking the motor and getting home a couple times last night, but also just the element of Jonathan Garvin getting plays last night, getting snaps, number 47, who in that second half when they kind of amped up the pressure was always in the backfield. You saw his number coming in through the middle quite a bit, and I was pleasantly surprised to see him because I didn't really think much of him as a whole. I didn't think he'd be an impact player, and granted it was the Lions, but still a pretty good front unit you know, offensively on their blocking, and Dude was getting home. He's getting close and, and letting other guys kind of step up, making Rashawn Gary get hits on the quarterback and letting Preston Smith get home and force hits on the quarterback and get a sack. And partially due to Jonathan Garvin playing in, and, you know, Adrian Amos forcing pressure at times and, and getting home and getting close there. So a lot of different elements to the game last night. I and mean, you can look at it very pessimistically defensively from the first half. And just, okay, yeah, it was the Lions. But also, like I said, very quiet, you know, shutout in the second half. Really, after the first drive, I mean, they only really allowed 10 points. And one of those was a shorter field field goal before the half. So, a lot of positives, too, in that element, too. I go back to what I said. I, the first two weeks, for me, at this point, are just a wash. I would have liked to be 2-0 instead of 1-1. But they're 
and they're going to have two tough weeks in a row. So you got to really what happened the first two weeks is kind of irrelevant at this point. Mm-hmm. Now it is on to San Francisco, who the last what? That's kind of had your number the last couple years here. Even four or five times that they've played them. Aaron I mean, they, Rodgers. They got, the, they got the regular season win last year because, I mean, they were so just decimated by COVID and injury. But, you know, again, and it's in San Francisco too. And they haven't played well going west. And it, what we will see where Green Bay stacks up on Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's still a team that's 2-0. and That's a team that, like I said, has kind of had their number for all purposes. Right now, uh, San Francisco favored by 3.5 for Sunday night football. I would pr- I'll probably take Green Bay to cover that. But I don't. I wouldn't necessarily bet on Green Bay. Does that make sense? You wouldn't take the money line. You wouldn't no. bet them straight up. You know, pick versus pick. I think that they're. I think Aaron Rodgers have a tough week. I really do. I think that he's. The last few times they've played San Francisco, they've had a tough week. Aside from that regular season game last year. Even then, Aaron didn't play well. If I remember right, correct? Like he played okay. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I don't remember the. Game I, I don't. The game, I remember watching the game. I don't remember really anything about it. Because I remember Green Bay won pretty big where they didn't. It was like a Monday night, wasn't it? Thursday night game last Thursday, year. Okay. Um, if I remember correctly, I think Aaron Jones had a really big game yeah. that week um, where they just ran the ball and ran the ball and ran the ball. Kind of almost like last night where they got Aaron Jones in the passing game too. So it wasn't like Aaron was beating them deep, Aaron Rodgers that is. But either way, like I said, we'll see. Um, I'll, I think I'd predict – I'm going to predict Packers to win this week. Uh, sounds like you're not going to. No, I'm going to go. I'm saying the Packers are probably going to lose this week. So that's our picks. And then with that, I guess we'll wrap up the show. We always kind of wrap it up with. And Ramsey, what are you rooting for this week? Obviously a little bit of NASCAR in Las Vegas this weekend. First round of the week of 12. Or round First of 12. First round of 12. So the Kyle Larson's pretty much already moved on. He basically just has to start the next three races. He'll move on. It sounds like your main competitors that you think are in the round of eight are basically going to be there. So that's uh, the Denny Hamlins of the world, Chase Elliott, um, Kyle Busch, I believe, is in that same category. So Bob, Bob Pockrass, who covers NASCAR and Fox, did a list of people who he did three, three, there's three groups. He did good vibes, no mistakes, time to sweat. Uh, the only player or the only racer with good vibes, he's got a 46 point lead, Kyle Larson. So Kyle Larson will move on probably by, depending how he runs this week, he could move on. Uh, no mistakes. So then it's Trex Jr., Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney, Chase, or Kyle Bush, Chase Elliott. That's kind of your cut line um, at that point. And then to the time to sweat, Bowman, Byron, Logano, Kozlowski, Bell, Harvick. And I picked uh, Brad Kozlowski, and I thought that he was going to really turn it on. Mm-hmm. And he's ran pretty consistent. I would say basically for the round of eight coming forward, I don't necessarily see any of those guys jumping into the round of eight. Right. So your top eight guys right now who is Larson, Hamlin, Truex, Blaney, Elliott. Right. I might, I might be missing one or two in there. But those are pretty much your guys who I think are going to be there going forward. I'm, I'm going to say your champion is probably going to come from that group of eight. 
Yeah, I don't think that's even. I mean, that's not. I wouldn't put that in Ramsey's radar for hot takes. No, that's but just that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, barring, I mean, Kevin Harvick could get a win and sneak into that next round, and and one of those guys might. But I'm gonna go ahead and I'd probably put money on the fact that the top eight as of right now, your champion's gonna be one of those eight drivers. And there's probably actually like six. I don't think Chase Elliott is going to have the speed. He hasn't really shown it yet this year mm-hmm. to actually win a championship. And Kyle Busch has also been pretty inconsistent. So if you really look at that, I would say probably those top six, which is Larson, Hamlin, Truex, right. Blaney, and fill your sixth. It'll be one of those six drivers that won the championship right now. I mean, I, I'm still, I mean, until I said this, I think, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I'm still really thinking Kyle Larson's got this kind of in the bag. I mean, he just runs so consistently on every type of track. Martinsville's not a great track for him, and Phoenix traditionally hasn't been a good track for him. So that is in the span of if you were saying, like, yes, Kyle Larson will probably make it there. Mm-hmm. Like, he just has that big of a points lead right now. That's just almost, right. unless he has some catastrophic failure, he'll be in round four. Right. Just because he has so many regular season points. The, But like I said, traditionally speaking, two of the last three races aren't necessarily his strongest tracks. And that's even kind of what happened last year with Chase Elliott, that he happened to run pretty well at Phoenix. And that's kind of how NASCAR is. It all comes down to making it to Phoenix. Yeah. And then just run them all there. So we'll see. Um, what I'm going to root for, I think I'm going to focus. I think, I mean, obviously the Packers game, um, you know, as usual, I'll probably be watching the Brewers pretty closely throughout the week here. But I'm really kind of, int- I'm really kind of waiting to see what's going to this Badger Notre Dame game. It'll be the big noon game. Uh, college game day is going to be there as well. They didn't put that on. Saturday night. Fox got the contract to have that game for like the 11 o'clock game. That's dumb. I agree. I want that to be Saturday night That should night be game. Saturday night. I don't know if they're from Fox or ESPN. That should be Saturday night. Under the lights. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be – it's really weird to have it as an 11 o'clock game. But um, right now in that game, I believe Notre Dame's favorite, but I have to double check on that. Uh, let me check on I that. I bet you they're favorite quite a bit too. You think so? Yeah. I bet you it's five, probably. Let me look. Wisconsin's favored by six and a half. Wisconsin's favored? Yeah. What? Wisconsin's favored by six and a half over Notre Dame. I would probably take Notre Dame to cover that right now. I'm staying away from that because I think Wisconsin's probably going to win that game. And... Here's the real tell of that game is right now, according to looks like Caesar Sportsbook, the Badgers are a minus two fifty money line in that game. What? Yeah. Seriously? Seriously. So Vegas doesn't like Notre Dame. Vegas is having nothing to do with Notre Dame. Hmm. And it's an over under of forty six and a half. So that's like a twenty or it'd be like a with the points it ended up being you know, if it hits points wise, it'd have to be like I would take the under. If we're betting 46 and a half, I'm going to take the under on that. Yeah, no, same. It'd be like 28 to 21, basically, to kind of cover that. 
and that'd be the over then too. But I don't think it's that high of a scoring game. No, I don't. I don't either. Like that's gonna be right at that. You know, like the the over under is kind of tough, but the the spread that spread is so tough too. I don't know if I like Wisconsin by six and a half. No, neither do I. I think they win the game. I don't know if it's by six and a half though. So I, that's where I'm. That's oh man. So you have to pick one. On the Badger game, what are you what are you throwing a little bit of cash on? If I was throwing cash in a state where I could bet legally, you can now. Not Wisconsin. Well, over at Oneida. I don't know if that's open yet, though. We can bet here. Let's just say we can, just right. for conversation's sake. the The bet that I would make, and it wouldn't I mean, it wouldn't be a very profitable bet. I would I would say the safest bet is Wisconsin money line. And I'd have to look at the odds of what the cover, you know, Notre Dame to cover would be. So the spread, either way that you go, six and a half points is minus 110. I'd probably go Badger money line and maybe Notre Dame to cover. Ooh, fancy. And if I was in a betting state, maybe make that in a little bit of a parlay just to kind of get my odds and maybe profit instead. But I'm saying the under 46 and a half. And even that in that game, and I'm sure you can probably find that's minus one ten too. You could probably find that somewhere at forty seven, forty eight, probably even. You you could you could find that somewhere, or you know, with some sports books they allow you to buy points too, and kind of see if you want to get a little bit better odds, and see what happens there too. So, yeah, the early, I mean, granted, we're still. Five days away from that. So. I'm going to guess money comes in on Notre Dame to cover. So I'm going to guess that the spread probably at kicks probably be closer to five and a half, I would bet. It could be. Five and a half to five, maybe. Very well could. I'm just, like I said, I'm just amazed that the Badgers are plus two or minus 250. Or depending on where you look. Like this one, now it's minus 230 um, through Bovada. So depending on where you're looking, I mean, still, that's that's a heavy... Heavy, heavy favorite. favorite to Wisconsin. Six, getting six and a half, I mean, if you look at some of the other bigger games out there, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't even really find one here that's even kind of in that same kind of benchmark to even give a comparison to. But, I mean, it, it's no Iowa versus Colorado State. If you really want to put some money there, I mean, Iowa's a minus 2,300 minus 2300 money line bet Colorado State be at plus 21 or 1025 what's, what's the spread on that that spread <laughs> 23 give me Colorado State to cover the 23 that's my hot take you want the hot take give me Colorado State to cover 23 alright we'll mark that one down that's going to be a big one so with that we'll wrap up the episode I'm Eric that's Ramsey we're the Roof for Wisconsin show episode 41 is in the books check us out we'll have stuff Facebook Twitter throughout the weeks. Check us out. We are out of here. Root for Wisconsin show. See ya. Bye.